Warning! The following is nearly incomprehensible, yet at the same time it is invaluable for knowing what foot we are stepping on in the future. I present to you the structure of the rest of Paul Tillich's systematic theology. Prepare your ears. Motivate your minds to be very, very bored and confused as he says things that don't make sense and that he could have summarized with a grand total of three sentences. Let us begin. <sighs> the structure of the theological system follows from the method of correlation. The method of correlation requires that every part of the system should include one section in which the question is developed by an analysis of human existence and existence generally, and one section in which the theological answer is given on the basis of the sources, the medium, and the norm of systematic theology. This division must be maintained. It is the backbone of the structure of the present system. One could think of a section which mediates between the two main sections by interpreting historical, sociological, and psychological materials in the light of both the existential question existential questions and the theological answers. Since these materials from the sources of systematic theology are not, are not, since these materials from the sources of systematic theology are used not as they appear in their historical, sociological, or psychological setting, but in terms of their significance for the systematic solution, they belong to the theological answer and do not constitute a section of their own. What on earth is Paul Tillich speaking about? What is he saying? He is saying to us, let me just go ahead and translate both of those paragraphs together, I'm about to actually do a heckin' theology. That's right. For today's short recording, we are going to hear what Paul Tillich thinks is the overarching structure of his theology before we finally move on from his introduction and go on to what his actual theology says. Spoiler warning, as though you needed to be told this, it's not worth a bucket of spit. His theology is terrible, and we will get into why as we go through it. But finally, he says he's going to set about the task of actually doing theology. Let's see how he structures it. Again, I have to warn you, the following is boring, confusing, and could have been stated with two or three sentences. In each of the five parts of the system, which are derived from the structure of existence in correlation with the structure of the Christian message, the two sections are correlated in the following ways. Insofar as man's existence has the character of self-contradiction or estrangement, 
a double consideration is demanded. One side dealing with man as he essentially is and ought to be, and the other dealing with what he is in his self-estranged self, self existence and should not be. These correspond to the Christian distinction between the realm of creation and the realm of salvation. Therefore, one part of the system must give an analysis of man's essential nature in unity with the essential nature of everything that has being, and of the question implied in man's finitude, infinitude generally. And it must give the answer which is God. This part, therefore, is called being and God. A second part of the system must give an analysis of man's existential self-estrangement in unity with the self-destructive aspects of existence generally. And the question implied in this situation, and it must give the answer which is the Christ. This part, therefore, is called existence in Christ. The third part is based on the fact that the essential as well as the existential characteristics are abstractions and that in reality they appear in the complex and dynamic unity which is called life. The power of essential being is ambiguously present in all existential distortions. Life, that is being in its actuality, displays such a character in all its processes. Therefore, this part of the system must give an analysis of man as living in unity with life generally, and of the question implied in the ambiguities of life. And it must give the answer which is the spirit. This part, therefore, is called life in the spirit. These three parts represent the main body of systematic theology. They embrace the Christian answers to the question of existence. But for practical reasons, it is necessary to split off some of the material from each part and combine it to form an epistemological part. This part of the system must give an analysis of man's rationality, especially his cognitive rationality, in unity with the rational structure of reality as a whole, and of the questions implied in the finitude, the self-estrangement, and the ambiguities of reason. And it must give the answer which is revelation, this part, therefore, is called reason and revelation. Finally, life has a dimension which is called history. And it is helpful to separate the material dealing with the historical aspect of life from the part dealing with life generally. This corresponds to the fact that the symbol, kingdom of God, 
is independent of the Trinitarian structure which determines the central parts. This part of the system must give an analysis of man's historical existence in unity with the nature of the historical generally and of the questions implied in the ambiguities of history and it was given answer which is the kingdom of God. This part is called history in the kingdom of God. Okay, if you have not pressed pause, exited out of SoundCloud or whatever media player you have, deleted this file, and thrown your device in frustration at the hyper-wordy and pitifully boring and dull way that Mr. Tillich puts this, let me go ahead and summarize it the way a sane and pithy person would put it. Here is what it would sound like if Mr. Tillich was not trying to drown you in a tidal wave of words. Ready? Okay, class, we are going to start our systematic theology soon. I want to tell you how this is going to go. Because I believe that man is the measure of all things, and we can only approach the universe and theology through our senses and our present existential situation, I am going to comment on the tension between reason and revelation and how they interact, and then I am going to go into a section dealing with God the Father as a creator. Then I am going to go to Christ as the solution to our existential angst. Then I'm going to talk about how the Spirit empowers us to live a new life or a new being in Jesus as the Christ. And that's going to be the longest section. I'm going to just tell that to you right now, class. The longest section, because I really do think that it is being and essence and existence which are the most important parts of Christianity. Maybe they weren't historically, but for our present situation, we need to highlight and emphasize it. And then finally, we're going to talk about history because it needs to be spoken of. If I don't interact with history, how can I make my case? Somebody could say, Mr. Tillich, you are innovating, and I have to address those charges. There we go. I summarized in like 30 seconds what it took Tillich, a giant section of literature. After all, it takes so long to read and understand exactly what he is saying, paragraph to paragraph. I was able to summarize it for you, boom, right and then in there, 20 seconds, tops. And for you, dear listener, that tells you exactly what we are going to be going over until we are done with Paul Tillich's systematic theology. My goodness, I am going to have to spend a long time reading Luther audiobooks to refresh everybody's memory on what real theology looks like. But I digress. What did we notice about his overall structure, his reprinted table of contents that he produces here. One, it starts with man. It starts with mankind, not God. Two, it starts with mankind's situation and existential awareness, 
not the word of God. Three, everything is based on relation between mankind in his existential situation and God as creating or responding to mankind's existential situation. There is an invisible thesis, and I believe this is why Tillich tries to drown us with words, the invisible thesis that he ought to have just said out loud is his theology is humanocentric. Mankind is the measure of all things, Mankind is the judge of all things, and all things ought to be oriented towards mankind for his therapeutic and existential needs. That is Paul Tillich's hidden thesis throughout the entirety of the introductory section that has taken us 11 recordings to get to, Every single thing he says is going to have this assumption in the very back of his mind. Why does the church need to get with the times? Because mankind is the center of Christianity to Paul Tillich. And if mankind is going in one direction, the church and all of Christianity and all of theology have to follow where mankind is going. When I said that his is a theology which tells the church to surrender to our enemy, the world, and thereby by extension the devil, this is why he says that. The hidden thesis here that tells us this is not Christianity, says that man is the center of religion. And if man is the center of religion, can it be Christianity? Absolutely not. If you had to distill all of the quote-unquote liberal Christianity or modern theology movement into one single message, if they are being honest, they would say with Paul Tillich that their religion is the worship of mankind, not the worship of the true God of the Bible. It is an idolatrous movement that uses Christianity as a costume, as a skin suit, as an illusory cover so that they can get people to be more comfortable with a syncretistic worship of mankind in addition to the God of the Bible or replacing the God of the Bible with a worship of mankind. The fact that Paul Tillich has to hide this it means that we are going to have to spend a large amount of time parsing through all of his theology to show this, to demonstrate it, that it is not Christian. This should not have been allowed in any seminaries whatsoever. But as long as we understand that hidden thesis, whenever you are in contact with a liberal pastor or a left-leaning theologian or some other such nonsense person, you can just point the finger right at them and say, you're not worshiping God, you are worshiping man. Like your teacher, Paul Tillich. All right, then next week we are finally going to get into what he says theologically in the relationship between reason and revelation. 
and I bet you top dollar he is going to put reason first before revelation. I don't really feel any uh, risk in making that bet. Anyway, if I win that bet though, please consider making a donation to The Very Lutheran Project. Our online donation options can be found at the support tab at verylutheran.biz. And if you just feel like donating, we very, very much appreciate that because this is how we keep going. For all of the generous donators, you are glorifying God because with the Very Lutheran Project and the attendant Catacomb Synod, we are building and re-establishing a Lutheranism that means it, that matters, that empowers laity and clergy alike to serve God with clear consciences free from the influences of the world and the world's morality, uh, namely everything that Paul Tillich was fighting for, that we're fighting against. Anyway, I will catch you all next week for more, uh, well, humanocentric theology. Amen and amen.